Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. And with that, I am Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. And this is another episode of 1% Better. And as usual, it's busy as hell on the cold speed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, we've both been doing this a long time, and I don't think we can ever remember a preseason. We haven't even played a game yet, okay? Not even had a game that counts, at least. And we have had just, you name it, has happened so far. So, uh, today's a big day also in the NFL because it's cut day, so teams have to get their rosters to 53 men. That usually tells us a little bit about what they're team looks like going into week one so we'll get to that in a second and I think first though we need to just kind of address the news of the week not even the news of the day and yeah are you tired of hearing about COVID yes because you've been hearing about it for 18 months but guess what buckle up because you're going to hear more about it because it's going to impact this Colts team this year and it already has and Zach so we've got quarterback Carson Wentz uh, we've got Left tackle, Eric Fisher, wide receiver, Zach Paschal, and center, Ryan Kelly, on the COVID list. Uh, this now is in addition to the other players that have come off, including Quentin Nelson, who was activated yesterday. So it has been just one tiring event after another. And we have to get to the core of this. These are mostly close contacts. And that, as you may or may not know as a listener, that only occurs if you are unvaccinated. If you are a vaccinated player and come into contact with someone who is positive, as long as you continue to test negative, you can come to practice. You can play in games. You can do whatever you need to do. If you're unvaccinated and you have that close contact and we wear those contact tracers when we're out there, even Zach and I, then you got to go. And it's five days minimum. You're sitting at home Wondering what could have been. So that's where the Colts are right now because they got a bunch of unvaccinated players. And I'm not judging them. Doesn't matter what I think. These are the facts. So, Zach, uh, I think let's try to spin this forward a little bit because people know they know what's happened. I think today was a very pivotal day because we really had, I think, our most intense conversation with Frank Reich on this topic. What did you learn from that? I know you're writing about it. What, what did you take away and what did you learn from that? Yeah, before we get into what Frank said today, and I thought it was, you know, the toughest questions we've had to ask him at this point. Yeah. Um, let's go back to last week. I felt like there was a lot of positive momentum with this team. I really did. And yeah. even after Quentin went on the COVID list, he came back really quickly. And so you've got Carson putting together a, a full week of work, no setbacks with the foot. That's really big news. You've got Quentin coming back. You've got Kelly back. This team was really moving in the right direction. And then you had the TY News on Sunday, which feels like a week ago. It was two days ago. 
I forgot. And boom, the bomb hits on Monday that Carson, Zach Paschal, and Ryan Kelly are all close contacts to a staff member who tested positive. Um, and then you've also, in addition to that, got your left tackle, Eric Fisher, who may or may not have been ready for week one. I don't want to say definitively, but it sounded like that was at least a thought that crossed Frank Reich's mind. So I it think doesn't it was matter on the not. table. Yeah, yeah, which is crazy if they would have had their their entire offensive line ready to go. This is the reality of it, and I know people are tired of listening to uh, about COVID, and I know we're tired of talking about it, but it's a reality that's not going to go away. And I think your story nailed it yesterday that it's the close contact situation that's going to be such a pain for this team this season because it's not like you get one and then you're done for the season. This is going to continue to happen. And if it happens on a Thursday or Friday in October or November – these guys are out, and if it happened, if this would have happened in the regular season, you're out a starting wide receiver, you're starting quarterback, and you're starting center, and that's probably not something you can overcome, depending on the opponent, right? Um, that's the reality, and the teams that are fully vaccinated, which there are some, the teams that are 90%, they're going to have a competitive advantage. The Colts are not one of those teams, and this is going to be costly, and I tweeted this out last night. It's not a matter of if this hurts them in the regular season. It's a matter of when. And this is the question I asked Frank Reich today. Isn't your franchise quarterback the leader of your franchise, the guy you're investing $98 million into, you traded a first and a third of the Eagles to get this guy? Isn't he, doesn't he have to be held to a higher standard? Isn't he more, uh, isn't more on his shoulders to be available for his team? And, and Reich said, look, you know, I think Carson's a great leader in some ways. We all need to be better. Um, the reality is, he hasn't been available this training camp due to injury and due to this COVID situation, and he's just hurting the team as they get ready for Seattle. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't spin this, right? At the end of the day, I don't care if you're the, the most extreme anti-vaxxer or if you are whatever that is, right? I don't know what is, what's defined as an anti-vaxxer, but whatever. Whether you are on either side of this issue uh, in the most extreme way possible, the one thing we can all agree on is that the quarterback is not in the lineup this week, and they've got, oh, about you know 10 days or so to opening day. And not only that, but the quarterback has already missed three weeks of action. He's not had a single full team practice and full pads. <laughs> That's right. what we're talking about. This guy and he's had, new, and he's new to the team, and, he's and these new. are new receivers to him. It's a disaster. Come From on, man. Like, you can't spin that. If, if, I mean, if you're just talking football, which fiasco. is our job. Yeah, it, it's a mess. It's and a fiasco, and it, and, and this week was this week needed. was everything. This it's week was huge. It's completely avoidable. That's the reality mm-hmm. of it. Whether you agree or not, it's completely avoidable. And this was, I think you you made a great point in saying that there was this positive momentum because I got to tell you, I mean, we all sat around as media last week and you know saw how Carson was throwing the ball, how he was moving. We see Eric Fisher moving around and. I mean, it did kind of allow you to say, you know what? We thought this team was pretty good, and I'm starting to buy it. They're pretty good. And I still think they can be, but there's this 8,000-pound gorilla just sort of ready ready to, like, sit on them and squash them, <laughs> you know? That's what COVID really kind of is for this team. And But again, I think you made a great point in saying, you know, the tide seemed to be turning. And then the, the T.Y. injury came, and that's huge. I don't think you can overstate that. But I do think that is what it is, right? I mean, you, you can you, nothing you can do about injuries. Right. That's unavoidable. That happens. 
I also think that T.Y.'s role, I'm not diminishing it, but I think that the loss of T.Y. Hilton now isn't what it was two or three years ago when that used to happen and the Colts had no chance. They're a better team now. So like, I think that was something they could conceivably overcome. It's tough, but they, they could conceivably overcome it. But this idea, this notion that you know you could lose a key player at the drop of a hat at any time this year, granted that could happen with COVID, but with even a vaccinated player testing positive, that that can and does happen, but it happens far less frequently. And number two, the standards are just not the same. They're not even close. They're just not. So so again, as I said, you can talk about this from whatever viewpoint you have of of vaccination of the restrictions or what it doesn't even matter they are what they are they're not going to change because you don't like them and you're going to have to navigate it and and the colts are at the low end if not the absolute lowest team in terms of vaccination percentage that is where and they it's, are it's going to go down it's going to go down and i've got that from someone who knows um I, you know, by my count, half the starting offense is unvaccinated. And yeah. No, that's not an naming, exaggeration. You guys all out there, you guys know, but three or four of these teams' very best players are unvaccinated. And that's, you know, whether you agree with the NFL guidelines or not, it doesn't matter. They're not changing. And secondly, it's the same for every team. And the Colts are going to be behind the eight ball in terms of this all season. It's just the reality. And... What did you think of Frank said what Frank said today when we kind of pressed him on not just Carson but I thought your question was good like what is the response you get from an unvaccinated player when you're trying to convince him and do you yeah. feel like you should push harder and does that hurt you in the long run I thought his answer was really interesting Yeah I mean I figured he would he would be ready for this this conversation cuz he had to know it was coming and he was and you're right what I asked him was okay, you, you say you've had a lot of dialogue, and I don't doubt that he has, and he's not the only one. I'm sure Chris Ballard has had this conversation. You know, Leaders like DeForest Buckner, who are vaccinated, I'm sure have had this conversation. So my question was, okay, well, what are they telling you, just generally? And is it, do you understand it? Does it further frustrate you when you hear whatever their, whatever their excuses are. And he said, yeah, sometimes it does leave me frustrated. And it was like one tiny little moment of, <laughs> I guess, real pure honesty from Frank. Not that he's a liar. He's, he's not a liar, but like he, he does a really good job of never really letting his emotions kind of, right. you know, show. Right. And that was one little instance where he said, yeah, you know what? Damn it. Yeah. I do get frustrated. He didn't say damn it because I mean, God forbid. <laughs> can you blame him? Like no. he's got he's got to win this year, whether guys are vaccinated or not. And and his neck's on the line. And, and Chris has got to win too. And this has got to be frustrating for them. This has got to you know, be really it, frustrating for them. It's so easy to get up there and say well, not easy, but it's it's one thing to get up there and say what he what he said at the opening, which was, and and you asked and others asked, you know, aren't you? aren't you kind of like ticked off that, you know, this could happen at any time this year? What, how do you deal with that? And, and his answer was, no, I don't think about it. You know, we're, we're concentrating on the game at hand and we block it all out. Okay. Yeah. I, I understand you have to do that. I, I understand the mentality, right? Everybody gets, you know, the team mentality. That is an important thing. I understand that. 
but it's also not realistic. Okay, <laughs> so and I think that was his way of saying, "Yes, I'm frustrated," like because it was his way of saying, "I don't agree with the rationale from some of these guys." And then he said, "And others, I I kind of understand where they're coming from," but uh, and then the other thing he said. You know, to to finish the thought that you asked me about, the other thing he said was when I asked, "Do you think that you could be more forceful, or do you think that would be counterproductive?" And I think his answer was the latter. He he said he thought that in the short term, it might uh, create some benefit for them to be more forceful and and kind of come down on guys who aren't vaccinated. Not that they could like cut them for that reason or something, but just you know really stress to them and and be more. Um, more stringent about this he said they could do that and, and it might bear some results in the short term maybe it would get some guys to, to react right he said he thought though in the long term it would have a negative effect and I think what he means by that is they have a really unique balance in that locker room and he has really unique relationships with his team and he doesn't want to shake that up you can agree or disagree but he's acknowledging something that's real right and yeah, they have built something really unique. I mean, what did you take from that? Because yeah, I get I get that juxtaposition. I understand where it's coming from, and that's something the fans probably maybe didn't think about. Slash, yeah. are it's easy to overlook that as a fan because your media is is guilty of this as well. We think short term. You know, yeah. we see the short term play, the immediate event, the next story. You know, the, Chris is thinking long term. Frank is thinking, you know, less so long term. But here's the quote. I think it's it's important to read the whole quote. I think being more forceful can pay short term dividends, but it might cost you in the long term. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about trust, and I think I learned this from a lot of great leaders, but I think I learned it the most from Tony Dungy, where sometimes it seems like the obvious answer is to come in with the hammer. And the problem with the hammer is that there's a lot of collateral damage that you don't see until later. I believe what Chris and I are talking about when we build this thing is long-term. We want to be a perennial perennial contender. We want to believe in order to do that, it starts with trust. There has to be a relationship among the team and its players of trust. That's a process. It's a process for us, for us to learn what that is, what it looks like, each one of us. And, and he's right. He's absolutely right in that regard. Whether you agree how the Colts are handling the COVID situation or not, if you want to see an example of why trusting the players and management is important, look what happened in Green Bay. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, yeah. one of the most talented quarterbacks of his generation, is at war with management because he doesn't trust them. And this is not to the same level, but you know, I think the Colts are among the best teams in the league at that. I think that's been well documented. We've, we've told you stories about what Chris and Frank have done with these guys. The players have said that as well. But this is delicate. And this is an individual decision that they have acknowledged with very real consequences on the entire team and on the entire building. And that's a delicate balance to sort of find. And I think they've maybe struggled with that because, you know, these guys, these leaders of this team who are not vaccinated, I don't get the sense that they're changing their mind anytime soon. Yeah, and that's and that's a big reason why coming in with the hammer, it is potentially counterproductive and I get the fans frustration but I think they've been having these conversations for months right Frank knows where these guys stand and and you and I know where some of them stand (laughs) okay and so if you don't get the sense they're going to change their minds then what is the the benefit of of bringing that hammer and and you know creating 
that collateral damage that Tony Dungy talked about, which I think is a perfect example, right? I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you don't go change a light bulb, you know, with a bulldozer, right? You know, it's <laughs> you gotta be delicate, right? And so that's kind of it's kind of what's happening here. So I I appreciate Frank's tough position. It's a real yeah. thing, and and I think he understand the thing you got to understand about Frank Reich. He understands people better than just about any coach. And I think he just has a talent for that. He understands people. you got 53 guys from all walks of life, all different backgrounds. And I think Frank Reich has done as good or better a job of any coach I've dealt with of, of understanding how to reach each one of those guys uniquely and where they are. He gets that. And I, I really think that goes back to his time as, as a pastor in the ministry because that is the job as a pastor. So I think he gets that and that is a talent of his. And this is one of those times where he's really having to, I think, tap into that. But, but it also, I can also understand why it's frustrating as a fan, you know, especially even after a loss, right. Or, or for guys playing poorly, you, the fan, you want to hear the coach say, damn it. He's got to play better. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not his style, man. You know, it's just not. And, and, and if you're a fan, I, you know, a lot of times you can live with a loss if if they played well, if they gave it their best shot, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard to live with a loss, I'm imagining, if if you didn't give it your best shot because your franchise quarterback is on the sideline or he's not in the stadium because he refused to get a, a vaccine in July. And and that's that's frustrating. And I can I can totally appreciate that side as well. And that's the thing that's different this year. Last year, there was no vaccine, and the players did their best to avoid it. And then you lose Buckner and Taylor and Autry for that Tennessee game, and and that's what happens. This year, there's a vaccine. It works. It's out there. And you've got guys who are not going to take it, and that's going to put them in jeopardy. That's going to put the team in jeopardy. That's the reality of this from a football angle. And it, it just feels like what we had happen yesterday when three guys went down to the COVID list could happen at any point this fall. And that's going to hurt them. It's going to come back to bite them. I'll just, you know, sort of put a bow on it by saying this. I mean, it is, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of viewpoints on this. And none of us here are, are epidemiologists. But I, I have lived in the world for the last 18 months. <laughs> so I think we've all learned a little bit, as have you. And, and, and the one thing I can tell you is it's pretty simple, right? When we started 2021... America was in a pretty dark place, okay, right? I mean, COVID was running wild. We were, I think, past half a million deaths. It's terrible. I mean, it's depressing to think back to that, right? The economy was a mess, getting better, but things had a long way to go. And what happened? Within a, a month or two, vaccines became widely available. And compare life right now to life, say, eight or 10 months ago, there's no comparison, no comparison. So to suggest that the vaccines haven't had an effect is, is absolutely ridiculous. They've clearly had an effect. That's all that changed. The only thing that changed is we have a means to address COVID. So that's where the NFL is coming from, you know, and I, I don't think you can fault them for, for wanting to increase player vaccination rate when you have a pretty stark example right in your face right just living in america now versus then it's it's pretty clear the vaccine is responsible for that so we're not going to agree on a lot of things as a 
collective group. But I think the one thing, this is what I always go back to, the one thing we can all agree on is that we want to get out of this, right? Yeah. Like, I want to go back to real life. Like, I don't yeah. want to, like, it's, there's so many examples I can give. And everybody out there, I think, wants the same thing. And I think it's undeniable that a vaccine will get us closer to that. And the more people we get vaccinated, the closer we will get to going back to life in 2019 and 2018 when we could do anything we wanted that we can't do now. And those things we take for granted then that we definitely won't in the future. So yeah. that's my TED talk for today. But um, this is going to be real for the Colts the rest of the year. It's going to be yeah. a lot. I, I messaged someone in the building, not Ballard, um, about the chaotic 24 hours. And I said, it's going to be a long season. And the word I got <laughs> back was, yep. So here we go. They know it. They know it. So there are other things happening, as we said. Um, we, we'll have plenty of time to talk about COVID, I suspect, before the season's out, unfortunately. So we'll deal with that later. Uh, moving on, there are other things, as I said, going on. I I think the let's before we get to the the cuts. I think the T. Y. Hilton news is worth drilling down on a little bit. Uh, I gave part of my opinion already. I, I do think that they are better positioned now to handle the loss of of a guy like T.Y. Hilton than they were, say, in 2018, when they were still at the beginning of this building effort. You remember, obviously everyone remembers, he he played on that high and low ankle sprain, okay? Big big time (laughs) stuff. I mean, one of the toughest things I've ever seen in my years covering the NFL. Forever changed my viewpoint on T.Y. Hilton that year, Yeah, 100%. You talk about a guy... Who, gave, who left it out on the field. I mean, that's what he did. And and he did that in part because he knew, all right? He knew what him being out of the lineup would mean, all right? He knew because he's lived it. And he's been on that sideline and had to watch, you know, the, the team be unable to move the football without him, right? They're not that team now, though. I think that I'm not suggesting they have some all-star collection of wide receivers, but I think they have more depth. There's no question about that. They definitely have more depth there. They have a potentially elite running back here. He's got to prove that, but, I mean, he's on his way. And Jonathan Taylor, I mean, they have some legitimate talent on offense and then Carson Wentz, his availability, TBD. (laughs) But (laughs) I also think he's going to start slow, by the way. There's just no way Carson Wentz is going to be in midseason for him. But eventually, I think Carson Wentz can be really good for this team. Okay. Yeah, and I think I... I think that was clear last week on the on the practice field. Like it just yeah. looks different. It looks like it should look, and, and we talked about that last week. My initial thought when they lost Ty for, I mean, it's going to be several weeks. Um, yeah, October, November, probably. Right. Um, I'll, I'll tell you guys here. They haven't established a timeline, but don't be surprised if this thing is like a like a six week deal. Like it, that is entirely on the table. So just to give you a sense. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm not worried about Michael Pittman. I think he's ready. I think he was going to be wide receiver number one, regardless of whether T.Y. was in there or yeah. not. And that's not a knock on T.Y. I just think the mantle is going to be passed. The key for me is Paris Campbell, because I think he can step up. And he's not the same player as T.Y., but he can give the offense a different dimension that it needs right now. And that's not a knock on Zach Paschal, because I just I take Zach Paschal for granted. I know he's going to step up. He's going to be there. He's never going to miss a game. You know what you're going to get from him. You don't know what you're going to get from Campbell, and I think the ceiling is higher with him. And they, they love him in the slot. They can move him around. He can get yards after the catch. So in terms of yards and targets and, and volume of the offense in ways that can produce big plays, I think Campbell can be a guy that steps up. And he's had a great camp. He was healthy. That's the most important thing. And if he stays healthy, you could see him shoulder some of the burden that they're going to lose with, with T.Y. out. And then secondly, don't overlook Naheem Hines. Like, I know he's not the starting running back, and I don't even know if he's a runner or, you know, a receiver because he does both so well. But he can fill that void in the offense to some degree. He absolutely can. He was their leading receiver last year in terms of catches. Remember that. He's got more catches in his first three years than any Colts running back ever. He was incredible on the practice field and training camp. And just talking to him for a story that I've got coming out this week or next, there is an edge to this guy. He is sounding different and playing different. And if you remember the last time they were on the field in a game that counted in Buffalo, the littlest guy on the field was one of the best players on the field. And two of the Colts' four longest plays that day came from Naheem Hines on the ground. They weren't even passes. They were on the ground. Remember, he carried them back from that 14-point hole. So two guys that could fill that void, that could step up, are Paris Campbell and Naheem Hines. And you know what they can do. they got to stay on the field. But it's not as big of a loss, like you said, that it would have been in 18 or 19 because they have Pittman and they have Pascal and they have Campbell. And Michael Strong is on the roster as well. And... I expect him to get some looks in the regular season. Probably not a lot, but we know that dude can play. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think they they have to figure out the roles, and that will happen probably organically. They'll, they'll know what to do, but, you know, guys have to – they'll they'll either step up or, or they won't, and then, you know, they'll just shuffle accordingly. But I agree with you. I think – I think Zach Pascal in his role today is a much different player than he was two or three years ago. This is a guy who's – seen it all played in huge games I mean listen is he is he an elite player no of course not I mean is he a good player yeah and is he a guy who can who can fill pretty much every role out there in the offense yes he can do everything and that's required of those wide receivers in every spot on the field then I think with Paris Campbell what you have there I, I think is you know, a guy who in college was the gadget guy you yeah. know he, he that's what he was at Ohio State maybe it's sort of a it's always been a staple in those Urban Meyer offenses, I think. But you know, we'll see what happens in Jacksonville. But but one thing that I think the Colts have figured out is that he's much more than that. They told us that on day one. We just haven't had a chance to see it. But I think we saw that in training camp. He isn't a gadget guy. Okay, They will do some gadgety things. You'll see some end arounds. You'll see screens. You'll see that stuff. They, they'll do that because why not? Right? He's He's perfect for that. But he's a he's a traditional receiver, and this I think what he gives you, and this is what the Colts always always missed when Ty would get hurt. He's only missed 
I think nine or ten games. In yeah, they're years. like one in ten with him, without yeah. him, right? It's a, it's not a right. good look, right? So the one thing they were always missing when he was out of the lineup, in my estimation, is a guy who could take the top off, and you just need that threat. It changes the way teams play defense. Paris Campbell can do that. There's no question yes. he can do that. Yes. So I think you you I'm not suggesting that he's as established. He's not. I mean, teams aren't going to just they're they're not going to just walk out on opening day and be afraid of him. You know, he's going to have to prove some things. But I think he has that ability. And if you start putting it on tape, now teams will have to plan accordingly. And the the other thing that I think you have with with Paris Campbell is just a, a guy you can use in multiple roles, as I've already said. But but I think even as a traditional wide receiver, I don't think he just has to be a slot guy. Uh, they can do some different things with him too. So I I really think they're in a great place. And you mentioned Naheem Hines. I think you're going to see Naheem in the slot a lot too. I mean, yeah. not not we catching out of the, the backfield. Yeah, right. it's not just catching the ball out of the backfield. They're going to split him out wide. I think a lot more than maybe you're used to seeing. And I'm all for it because they don't want to take Jonathan Taylor off the field that much either. So, you know, you, it, it's all about getting your best players out there. And the more good players you have, the harder that becomes. But that's a great problem to have. I think they have some skill talent, some underrated skill talent, to be honest with you. I, I think it's really going to boil down to how they use them and how to maximize them. That is going to be the task. So that's up to Frank Reich, Marcus Brady, and the offensive staff. But I think they have the chess pieces to figure out, figure this out and to, to overcome the loss of T.Y. Hilton. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you mentioned Mike Strawn, and that sort of uh, turns the pace to roster cuts because he's you know, one of the you know, good stories, I think, one of the great stories, really, of this, this preseason. A guy who you know, comes out of the seventh round out of a Division II school and you know comes up in the Bahamas where you know that football hotbed uh, and and makes it onto an NFL roster as a rookie so can't give that guy enough credit I mean what a what a great job he did but uh, they also kept Desmond Patton who I I think was in some jeopardy and maybe yeah. the TY injury TY Hilton injury helped him uh, he also I thought had a really strong preseason in the games because in practice he was a little bit underwhelming and I thought maybe they would take the chance of cutting him, but uh, he, he made it as well. So uh, congrats to him. Uh, just to – I don't know what your impressions were. I don't know how much time you've had to look at the, the roster cuts, but was there anything that surprised you or was there any particular takeaway that you had? Yeah, these aren't the final roster cuts. That's my That's takeaway. True. You know, because they've got the four on the COVID list. So they're going to have to move four of these guys off by – you know, the end of the week, maybe early next week. Um, I don't know if Isaac Rochelle sees his way to the final 53. Shout out to Ben Banigou. He earned it. He deserves yeah. it. Um, I don't think you cut him. Um, we'll see what they do. They, they made a trade today for Matt Pryor. He's a backup offensive lineman, swing tackle. I talked to uh, our buddy Zach Berman in, in, in Philly, and he said, you know, if, if Pryor's your backup swing tackle, you're okay. So, um that's you actually know, not cut, something I've ever said about the Colts. <laughs> so, yeah, right. I mean, that's that's still a problem. That's good. And they and they cut Will Holden because Will Holden wasn't good in training camp. It's that's the yeah. reality of it. And and Sam Tevy wasn't going to make the team either because he was even worse. Yep. Davenport is your left tackle for now. You hope Fisher can return soon. Um, no, no real surprises. I'm not sure Marvell Tell sees his way to the final 53. I didn't think he had a very good camp. 
But TJ Carey's knee is is up in the air, and, and it doesn't sound like he's going to be practicing this week or next week, so I don't think he's going to play against Seattle. But Patman, does he see his way on? I don't know. I think you could probably slip him on the, the, the practice squad. But, you know, like you said, to start, congrats to Mike Strawn. If you're a young guy, you got to make it really hard for the team to cut you. And he played yeah. so well that the Colts couldn't cut him. So props to him. It's going to be a work in progress, but – Believe me, when, when Colts fans see this guy on Sundays, as he develops, he's going to be a fun player. You're going to love watching this guy. Yeah, look, he, he's got he's to get a lot more polished, right? But every young player needs that, right? I mean, you saw these quarterbacks, for example, in the preseason, right? Are they polished? No. Like, there's some talent there. you got to, like, refine it. But this guy is much further along, I think, just in terms of, well, really, it's not even that he's further along. He's just more talented. That's he knows how to use his size already, yeah, which is why he he's here. I mean, if he didn't know how to use his size, he'd just be another big guy. But, you know, he needs to work on his routes and his releases and knowing mm-hmm. the playbook. I mean, we've talked about that with Mike Groh, the receiver coach. But, like, you guys saw the preseason, the jump ball in the first preseason game. Easton threw it up. Great throw. Better catch. You know, he just used yeah. his size to block out that receiver. And this is the kind of receiver the Colts have wanted for years. They went out and signed Devin Funches. That never worked out. They drafted Pittman. You guys saw what he could do. They want to go get big-bodied receivers, and Strawn is the biggest of all. Yeah, Chris Ballard has a type, in case you haven't <laughs> been paying attention. Right, right. <laughs> so if you see them draft a, uh, a 5'9 wide receiver, you need to. I think someone needs to go in the draft room and figure out what happened to Chris Ballard because he's been taken hostage. So Right. It, very clearly. Anyway, um, and actually, I'm getting off the subject here, but I remember, <laughs> I remember uh, Chris Ballard saying he just wasn't a big T.Y. Hilton guy when he got the job here, <laughs> and he had to like had to he had to grow on him a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, I bet he did. <laughs> so that was not his type, but uh, he there are definitely guys you make exceptions for. So anyway, I, I look at this roster. So by the way, Sa- Sam Ellinger, quarterback, is an interesting spot because Sam Ellinger's on here. Carson Wentz technically is on the COVID list, so uh, he is not technically on the 53-man roster. He doesn't count, at least for right now, yeah, obviously. The question is, do they, do they add a quarterback? Because Sam's not healthy. So he'll probably I go think, on the pup, and you've got well, one healthy Well, you put him on IR is what you do. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's he'll six, go on IR. That's three weeks. Uh, minimum, yes, correct. And so I think you – so you have to at least add somebody to the practice squad, I think. And, and the practice squad is more flexible now because of COVID. You can bring a guy up, you know, night before the game, morning of the game if you have right. to. So I think you've got to have a third quarterback either on the active roster or on the practice squad. It could be Brett Hundley, who was also cut today. I mean, you can have oh. a veteran on the practice squad, I think guess. It. Right, right. There's also some other quarterbacks, I imagine, who are available right now. So we'll see. Um, if he makes it feel any better, Jacob Eason is fully vaccinated so he's uh right. they got one guy they've got one guy who's uh and sam ellinger is vaccinated as well but he's hurt so never yeah. boring with this team never why would it be boring right one position i want to just hit on real quick uh the defensive line i that's the one that catches my eye that's a loaded group on paper and so i mean i look at some of the names there obviously deforest buckner just an absolute standout stud. Grover Stewart, you already know. You've seen that. Terrific I think, training camp. Grover was yeah, great. He's got Pro Bowl potential. Agreed. I think. So that's going to be interesting. But I think 
They kept seven defensive ends. As you said, Rochelle may not stick around. I, I was surprised he made it, but I think it's honestly, as you said, because they have some extra spots. But that was a tough position to make it. They had to cut a few guys there uh, that they kind of liked. Um, for example, Andrew Brown, who had a really strong training camp, I thought. He was a guy that, that ended up getting cut over or in, in lieu of a guy like Taylor Stallworth, who was really effective last year, surprisingly great, effective. Great depth player, right? Yeah. And, you know, you've got guys like Alquini Muhammad, who just does nothing but show up and, and help you win. He, he doesn't show up in the stat sheet necessarily, but the guy gives you good snaps off the bench, and you know what you're going to get. I mean, he they've been trying to cut that guy for three years. <laughs> they can't do it. So I, I just I love the depth there. The frontline players, I think, are really good, obviously. Buckner, uh, we were talking about Stewart. Uh, certainly Quiddy Pay. Quiddy Pay, man. Like, I was in Detroit, and I watched him embarrass that dude mm-hmm. on the end. That dude started 11 games last year for the Lions and got cut this week. I mean, hmm. maybe it's on the quarterback for taking such a deep drop, but Pay just looks like he's for real. And he's looked like he's for real from the day he got here. And I just feel like they just nailed their first-round pick, especially yeah. at a position they had to nail. And so you look at – this is a tangent, and I won't go forever, but some of the other left tackles that were on the board, those guys aren't playing right now because they're hurt. And yeah. we'll see how things play out. But the Colts had serious concerns about those guys at those positions. And they stunned a lot of people by not going left tackle in, in the first round. They might have nailed that pick with Quiddy Pay for a, for a variety of reasons. So let's let's that's fine. Let's go down that road here a little bit. Just for a second. So let's say they get some middling left tackle in the draft. One of those guys who who may or may not even be good. We have no freaking clue because they're not playing, right? Let's say that let's say that one of those guys ended up here and he ends up being sort of a yeah, you know, he's okay. He's an average left tackle. Like that that's a good thing to have, right? I want I want at least a, a serviceable player at left tackle. But is that more valuable than than a right defensive end who's coming off the ball as fast as this kid is and, and giving quarterbacks hell? I don't think you can compare. Which I, I mean, this is can. a different – these are different players, but would you rather have Tarek Glenn for 10 years or Dwight Freeney for 10 years? And I'm not saying Quiddy pays Dwight right. Freeney. We're not making the comparison, but I get what you're but saying. Yeah, you're talking two guys that are elite at their position. I could I could hear either case, but I, mm-hmm. I'd probably lean Dwight Freeney because he just wrecked quarterbacks for a long time and that is one of the most valuable skills in the league right now but i don't even know if i you might be giving the tackle in that scenario too much credit to be honest. i am these guys aren't even on the <laughs> you field clearly I mean, are. <laughs> they, they like derisaw but they liked quitty better and, and derisaw has been dealing with an injury and tevin jenkins in, in chicago who they traded up to get had a back injury in college that has resurfaced yeah, that's that a, would that's leave a scary you just hung out there. to dry right now um yeah, so what, what would you there. be saying about the, the general manager on Twitter right now, if that were the case, right? And right. you would be justified. Right, no absolutely. Question. So yeah, I, I think there, there, is some, there is some value in pointing out the fact that four months later, they hit on this pick. It very much looks like they did. And, and they're going to get a lot of production from Cordy Pay in the years to come. And who knows how those left tackles' careers play out. But if you love the guy, go with the guy you love, not with the guy that fits the position you need. There, there is something to be said for that. Yeah. And along the same lines, they didn't have a ton of draft picks this year, but uh, they ended up parting with, what, two of them? Or is it just the one? Uh, no, I guess uh, just their their 
their fifth round pick, um, Sean Davis out of Florida. And he had a late start to camp. Yeah, he did. He, he really didn't show anything. He'd been hurt most of the time and then really didn't show much in Detroit the other night. They did end up keeping Will Fries, the seventh round pick, I think from Penn State, I believe, uh, the offensive lineman. He, he actually, to his credit, he kind of was a late surge in or had a late surge in training camp and has shown them some position versatility there. So they like him, and we'll see what happens when the roster gets shaken up here in a little bit. He may or may not stick. He may be a practice squad guy, but he's in the mix. They like him, and they certainly like their their seventh round, the other seventh round pick that I mentioned, uh, Mike Strawn. Uh, Sam Ellinger, I think, has a future, at least on the practice squad. We'll see what happens there. And Kyler Granson, he's on the squad, and he's going to get some footballs this year, let me tell you. So... Even with the, the roster being as competitive as it is, and it's very competitive, don't make no mistake, um, the, the rookies, the rookie class did its thing. And I thought the rookie class was still pretty strong in the end. And and we haven't even talked about Deo Adengbo because he's going to be out with that Achilles tear for a while. But uh, they're definitely high on him. So you got to draft well when your roster is packed the way this one is and they seem to have done a good job just based on uh, those guys uh, at roster cuts right now. So that's interesting. Just a, you know, something to keep in the back of your heads. Um, what's, what's your biggest concern here, just as we wind down? Biggest concern heading toward opening day? Boy, uh, this you, changes every week, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. You know, it would have changed week. like two days ago. It would have been T.Y. Hilton. Last week, it would have been the third cornerback spot, and you'd kill to have that be your biggest problem right now, and that's yeah. Rocky Sins for the time being, but we'll see. He was bad in Detroit if anyone saw that touchdown. Um, it's not T.Y. Hilton. It's Carson Wentz. That's the biggest yeah. concern in this COVID situation, and that's the reality of this, this season, and I think Carson could be great for this team. I think he'll start slow, not just because of the foot, but I think joining a new team and a new offense, it'll take some time, especially against the good teams they're playing. But the COVID thing is going to linger in the back of my mind every week. It's just the reality of it. And they could lose some key players at any point. And there could be a Friday where we get one of those releases and it's just like, boom. And it's just going to hurt their chances to win. So my my overwhelming takeaway is it would be a damn shame if this team, which has been very well constructed, I think, that could really take the next step with a guy like Carson if he fits in, if a season is torpedoed by COVID and decisions not to get vaccinated but that's the reality and you know frank believes in his guys and they're going to take every step they can to to push these guys to get the shots but that's the reality and i don't know how you overlook that heading into the season yeah i agree and i think with carson it's not just covid but also the the double whammy here is the injury that he's coming off of i think physically he looks pretty good but he's missing valuable time in the lineup and is going to have a very very short period to cram everything in and, and get some time on task with that offensive line and and his wide receivers, he's not going to have a whole lot of time. And the game plan is is on the way. They're putting that together this week. They're they're talking about the Seahawks every single day this week. This is not just general practice, you know, running some plays here. No, they're talking Seahawks now. So this is the real thing. I mean, I'm sure he can zoom in on the meetings. Zoom meaning no nah, man he he's been doing right. that for a month he needs to be on the field right. but that's the deal exactly he needs time on on the field ball in his hand and uh, actually running through this stuff and and the, the lack of preparation 
that they have had. Uh, if you're Frank Reich, there's no way you can tell me that you're sleeping well at night knowing your your starting quarterback has had zero preparation. There's just that's not yeah. a great situation. New so. new quarterback on a new team, and he's going to have like six full practices in in a no seven question. week span to get ready for week one. Like, come on, that's just no. Frank Reich can say that he's sleeping well, but there's no way. That's not optimum. <laughs> so anyway, uh, as the Colts turn, it's always something. Uh, we'll be back next week, and uh, you know, have a good Labor Day. If you don't hear from us. There's still going to be lots of coverage on The Athletic, obviously. They keep us busy, so there's that. Uh, job security. So we appreciate that, I suppose. Um, <laughs> if you haven't subscribed, there is a special going on right now, I believe. I think it's like a 50% off deal. So it, uh, sort of a kickoff special. So take advantage of that, and lots of you have, and we appreciate those of you who've been on board either for a short period or a long period. So we thank, we thank all of you. Uh, So again, I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. Thanks for listening. And this is 1% Better.